0: Unlike the others you're hearing from, I'm not a famous person and I'm not able to tell you how to become one. My life developed the way it did because of my interest in curiosity in what creative people do. I'm a great admirer of creativity and love the poetry that we just heard. I always had a stubborn reactive streak and never felt the need to conform. I could not endure violence and have never become inured to it. I watched little TV. If my brothers were the ones that were supposed to succeed, my father was a male chauvinist, I wanted to accomplish all the more. If my father insisted that Ohio isolationist republicanism was the only right way, I became interested in exploring being a Democrat. If I was told that I only bought good art because I had the money, I wanted to attend graduate school in art history to see whether I was able to discriminate. If there was a cause or problem that I became aware of, I wanted to find some way to affect it. What I have done and been in my life was determined, I believe, by the rural outside Cleveland childhood I experienced as the second in a six-child family. My father was a workaholic banker, my mother was gentle, perceptive about people, and fond of being a parent, but fought cancer for eight years before she died when we were in our teens and younger. We were strictly brought up by older parents, but had a lot of freedom to do what we wanted in the streams and fields that surrounded our house. Our house had a large variety of paintings, drawings, and sculpture, mostly of minor value then. ...but of great interest to my father who loved the West. Consequently, many were bronzes and paintings by such artists as Remington and Russell. We tended to go to extracurricular activities en masse rather than because of skill or interest. This didn't build a lot of self-confidence. So Friday was ice skating and Saturday mornings were art classes at the Cleveland Museum... I can still remember where certain works of art were located and exactly how they looked. Like a lot of children, I had to be coerced to go to some shows at the museum or to read the libretto before we attended the Metropolitan Opera with my mother during its annual two-week visit to Cleveland. But what was it that so firmly established my life in art and philanthropy For one, it was finding through a teacher that not only did I love to look at art and go to museums, but that I was good at seeing and relating visually. This ability, as I look back on my life, is the key to my growth. I could do something well that I loved. You might say, but of course it takes money to collect. However, I believe if I had not inherited money in my 20s, I could have been as successful and dedicated curator or director of a small museum. My first great art history teacher was Sarah McLennan during three years of boarding school in Connecticut. My second teacher of important consequence was Conrad Oberhuber at Harvard. They gave me a confidence to believe that I had a talent and that I could make a difference in a field I loved. Secondly, philanthropy. Why have I given so much time to giving away money and art? As was mentioned earlier today, it can be a big job. Part of it has been due to a Calvinist guilt, I've felt. But more importantly, by giving, I can help solve problems. And this gives me pleasure and pride in being innovative and useful. For me, the most exciting example of this was founding studio in the school, I learned in 1976 that there were no art programs in New York City's public elementary schools because of an ongoing budget crisis. Art was not thought to be important and was one of the subjects cut. On the other hand, I believe art is critical to the growth and fulfillment of every human being, not a frill, but a necessity. With the Board of Education and others, we began that first year in three schools. The next year we were in seven schools. Now, 20 years later, with the help of many people, especially Tom Cahill, the director, and funding and enthusiasm from corporations, foundations, and individuals, we have served over 600 schools where artists in classrooms that are studios teach young children the joy of being creative by making and using their own creative artistic skills. Because we used artists as teachers, we were able to help support their careers and offer much-needed medical benefits. There are brochures, or there were, I think they've lost them, of uh, this program outside for those of you who may be interested in learning more about it. Another example of starting a program stemming from a need came after I served as co-chair in a two-year search for a new director of the Museum of Modern Art. During that search, we found that there were some wonderful curators and small museum directors, but that they lacked the broad managerial business and political knowledge needed to enhance their academic and scholastic abilities and allow them to lead a complex museum with a desire to expand as we have at the modern. I began a program at Harvard's Fogg Museum that would give access for three-day sessions to a number of young curators and museum directors, to the resources of the Kennedy School of Government, Harvard Business School, and to other more seasoned museum directors and scholars. A third institution that I have supported was started by a mentor of mine, Irene Diamond. She's a wonderful woman and a great philanthropist. It is the Aaron Diamond AIDS Research Center, whose marvelous director, David Ho, is also an award winner this year and is here with his wife and two children. One of my daughters, and I had known many people who died of AIDS, so I had supported different programs affecting care, food delivery, legal support, advice, and hospice care, but I had never given to research. The the marvelous discoveries Dr. Ho and his team have made made me so excited and hopeful that I wanted to participate in helping them make further inroads into solving this health problem. Another interest developed when a wonderful philanthropist again, Helen Hunt, wanted to start a women's foundation in New York City. This foundation provides support for programs for women and children. The foundation's accomplishments have been very wide-ranging and extremely important, helping to solve problems that otherwise would be neglected. Finally, my most expensive, I'm afraid, and important involvement has been with the Museum of Modern Art. Here I've had to learn where my time and finances could best be used. I have had to come to know only by experience when it was necessary to stand my ground, fight for a belief or support a project, exhibition or program, that was unpopular but truly educational. The Department of Education's work is one of the areas, many areas of MoMA that attracted my interest. At a Christmas party one year, one of the maintenance workers came up to me and said, would you try to get more people like me of my color into the museum at higher levels? We shouldn't all be in these kinds of jobs. So one program I thought to initiate was a full-year internship for a minority student. We have had very few minorities among our curatorial and upper-level staffs, and we need them. Presently, I've begun a citywide internship program for a summer term of eight weeks for high school students of need. This is based on a Getty program which serves 40 institutions with uh, over 100 interns. Also, I've always believed that because I can afford to buy art, I can afford to give it to a museum where it will enhance their educational role to the public. What has so much helped me grow in my job as president is learning to listen to others, take their expertise and apply it. And they often have much more knowledge than I do seeking advice from others allows you to gain a knowledge of the tools you need to accomplish a task if you are someone who is not talented in your own right you can build expertise on learning and growing through knowing about the creativity and knowledge of others i certainly know the world needs appreciators i know that especially because many times i have said to an artist or somebody that was famous in a creative realm, you know, I think you did a wonderful thing or that picture or that book was so terrific. And I thought at first when I said it, that no one would really care to hear that that was famous. They must hear it all the time. But I found that that's not true. People want to hear what you think about what they've done well. To end, I would like to leave you with this thought. You do not have to be rich to give You have to give to be rich. Those who have it and don't share it with others, like Scrooge, are poor indeed and will never feel they have enough. It is only by sharing, helping others, that you can ever feel that you have enough. And money is often the least of what can be given. Your time, interest, concern, care, when given to others, is priceless and can truly make you rich.